The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. It is indeed that time again, and we welcome you back to the program Afternoons with Mike, heard daily here on The Shepherd. I welcome my friend Marvin Couch. Marvin has been a 37-year friend. I say that, man, that means we met right when Cindy and I moved. Yes, that's correct. uh, Right to Orlando. So Marvin is, you've been so many different things in this community. People would know your name from uh, a season of time in politics, Mm -hmm. uh, in business. Mm -hmm. Uh, Your painting company bore your name? Uh, Environmental Painting Alternatives. Yeah. I started in 1973. Oh, okay. (laughs) Wow. And then you also did home painting, I know. Yes. You painted my son's first home that he owned in this area. I did. And you did a great job. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But then, and what we're going to be talking about today is the fact that, and and I want to hear the whole story, really, how you got involved in what you're doing right now, which is traveling the world. Mm Mm-hmm. You just got back from Columbia. Yep, Monday. Got back Monday. And I think your story, Marvin, is so exciting. It is, I think, inspiring. And I think it's important because I am convinced that there are many, many people who they're, they're maybe lived a lot of their lives kind of short of what they thought it would be like. And they're not content. They're not happy. They're not fulfilled. And they think it's too late. And when I look at you, I mean, you've, you've been a success at so many of these different levels. You could have hung on to any one of those levels. And if uh, you wanted to make a career where you, you could have been retired by now and living the good life. Yeah, I'm sick. I just turned 69. Well, you're, we're the same age. Wow. I, you know, I, I keep telling my wife that the next 10 years are going to be, be the most productive kingdom work that I've ever done in my life. And I, believe I believe that. I do too. Yeah. I'm getting ready to go to Africa in two weeks and that's going to be an epic event there. Um, this next, this weekend I'm going to Springfield talking about in a conference or talk, being in a conference called Restory, talking about SSA issues, same sex, same sex attraction issues, which is really becoming an issue within the church because I have many people come to me and ask me to pray for them. Their children are... Or, you know, so it's, it's, so I'm really looking forward to this. Well, our culture is producing this uh, interest and this confusion Mm -hmm. and it's being done right in our schools. It is. But, you know, we've, uh, the church has handled it wrong. In my opinion, it was us versus them instead of loving them as Christ loves us. And we don't, that doesn't mean we approve of their lifestyle, right. but we love them through it. And, and we try to understand what they're going through and to be able to speak truth into their life. And, and that's, it's happening on a smaller scale. And I think that educating the church with this issue is, is very important. Hmm. I couldn't agree more, man. Marvin Couch, if you've just tuned in, is my guest today. Again, uh, Cindy and I moved down here to Florida in um, 1985. And I started attending with a good friend, Danny Jones, starting the church then called Household of Faith, now called Metro Life Church. Mm -hmm. And it's now in Castleberry. Back then, we had a uh, 5,000 square foot, kind of uh, almost looked like a warehouse building 
on Colonial Drive, and that's where you came first. That's right, it was. And then then you went to Scats, and then we you were went, in Scats. <laughs> that was the downtown, and that's right. Went to Central Seventh Day yes, Adventist, correct. And then Howard Middle School. Howard Middle School, yeah. And from Howard to Edgewater for a couple of months. Mm -hmm. And then we moved into the building in Castleberry. Yeah, and you know, it's really because I didn't get saved until October of 1983. I was 30 years old when I gave my life to Christ. So I was really a babe Christian growing up with the teaching of Metro Life. And uh, they were a very important part of my theological training and my thought and, and how I and how you address issues and and such so very important well we met you during those days mm -hmm. and of course you would remember that when i first moved here uh, i was uh i had been in ministry in kentucky but i i was not uh in ministry when we first moved here i worked for wajl radio and worked part-time uh, with the school that we had there at Household of Faith. Yeah, I remember Al Chubb. Wasn't he a great guy? He was an awesome guy. <laughs> I had met Al Chubb when um, I was in Washington, D.C. for an NRB conference. Mm. And um, he and I kind of made friendship. And he actually had offered me a job years earlier when I was in television up wow. in Indiana. And so I, I considered it moving because we loved Orlando all along and it just wasn't the right timing. But in 85, we did make the move. Mm -hmm. And to my great surprise, Al offered me a position and I worked uh, at WAJL for two years mm -hmm. while I was going to Metro and still working on Sundays and the music and leading uh, the band and all of that. That was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It was an exciting time. And your kids, you, they were the same age as my kids. Yes, they are. Because we're the same age, dude. <laughs> That's right. And your boys were friends to my son. Yes. And they're all musicians as well. They are. They're they, great musicians. Yeah, Abe still plays quite a bit. Oh, good. And so does Alex every now and then. Yeah? Mm -hmm. well, I know Alex the best yeah. of all of them. And um, man, he's, he's a great guy. So let's go back to you for a minute. You okay. and Nancy... You get saved in 83. Mm -hmm. uh, you start attending our church in 85. Mm -hmm. um, you, again, were a painter. Mm -hmm. You did that professionally. How does a guy go from the things that you did and all of the years of work and you, again, were involved in the community and politics, and then you come to a point in your life and something changes where just making a successful living at what you were very successful at mm -hmm. was not, was not what your direction was. How do you, first of all, how do you discern that? And, and what was your story? How did you come to perceive the future? You know, before I got saved, I went to a seminar with Nancy and I just first got married. Uh, it was on our honeymoon. We, we just went to the seminar and this guy said, never say no when you get an opportunity because that opportunity may never come again. So I took that to heart. And if, if God, and now in my older age, I, I, I feel through the spirit if it's, if it's something that God wants me to do, if it's in his will to do that. But in the early days, if it was something and it was exciting, I would just say, yes, jump in and do it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Excuse me. That's all right. You know, it, it's so true. I yes. mean, we get those words. God's patient with us. Amen. But Long sometimes suffering. we need to move when he says to move. Amen. Yep, because those opportunities may not come back. 
So this, now, first of all, kudos to you for doing something like a seminar on your honeymoon. I mean, that's, <laughs> I'm not sure that should be kudos. That might be shame on you. I'm not sure. But at any rate, that stuck with your down deep in your mm-hmm. heart. Yes. And, and so then fast forward, you're a painter. Uh, I guess when I was already now up in Gainesville, my son had moved from Gainesville back to Orlando, mm-hmm. bought a home. So you and I got to reconnect uh, over that because David hired you to right. paint his whole inside of his house. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's correct. And so uh, during that time, were you already considering or having a heart develop in your mind for missions? What happened was um, I was painting for this contractor uh, that invited me to go to Paraguay. He says, I'm going to be doing a mission trip. At that point, I was saying, oh, I'd like to go to Paraguay. I've never been to Paraguay. My dad was in the service. So we traveled around the world. So traveling's in my blood. I, we, I've always done traveling. <clears throat> so I went to Paraguay with him. And what we did is we built this church for this indigenous people group uh, up in the mountains. We had eight days. We got there. We put all the walls up. We put the roof on. And we were leaving the next day. And um, we were pra- praising God and worshiping with, with the indigenous people group of this new building they had. And... Um, the guy by the name of Norman Frechette, who was the music director of uh, Faith Assembly at that time, w- was on this trip, and he started praying in the Spirit. And the people in the church turned around and said, you are praying in our language. It was like a book of Acts experience. Wow. Yes. And I was, I, I, from then on, I was hooked. And no matter where you go in the world on a mission trip, God moves in different waves. I've been to a trip in, Paragu- in, in uh, Peru one time in the Amazon, deep in the Amazon, and it was during rainy season and we had to build a building. It was, it was raining all around us, but it stayed dry until we put that last brick up. We put that last brick up an hour later, downpour. Hmm. So we see all those, every time I do these trips, you see God move. And especially in third world countries where people, you know, we, we're self-sufficient in this country and we don't expect God to move, you know, because we, we get, we, we've got everything we need, but in third world countries, they depend on God. They have to call out to God and they depend on him to meet their needs. And over and over again, I see that happening. So it's, it's an awesome experience. Now it sounds like you just answered what was going to be my next question. Mm-hmm. You've been here as a believer in the United States and you've done this since you said 83 when mm-hmm. you got saved. Uh, I think I hear this so regularly, a question will come, why do they see so many miracles? Why are there so many healings in other countries, in third world nations, in islands where they don't have the teaching that America has? You, you know, the, I think that a lot of people would think we should be seeing those kinds of levels of of uh, amazing miracles in the United States, right? Yes. But it that doesn't seem to work out that way. Well, you know, in uh, first, Genesis 1, it talks about, you know, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was with a form and void, but the Spirit hovered across the face of the earth. Okay. He always is there. He's always hovering. The same power that was, the, and when I think about it, the power of God over the earth hovering, creating life let there be light there's light Mm -hmm. that same spirit lives within us and the only reason it doesn't happen in the united states is because we don't we we we're not looking for it really and in third world countries take for instance columbia i just got back from columbia there was two new church plants that i was able to preach at people they, they they just they weren't christians they didn't know what christianese was you we 
went into this church, started praying, and the power of God moved, and it was it was tangible. You could actually feel it. And the people were just, they were falling to their knees and weeping. They had no idea what this was. It was the power of God, the power of the Spirit. That power is here in the United States. Mm-hmm. It's just that we don't get on our knees and we don't ask God for the power to be, move in our lives and around us. You and I were probably sitting in the same room when I first heard this, but it is so true that the condition of being blessed, uh, prosperity in our life, uh, those can be some of the biggest hindrances Absolutely. to seeing faith things happen in our life than, than just about any other thing. And America has failed in many ways. The American church has failed the test of prosperity in much. And we're, we're just, we could be seeing so much more, but it, it really it, it is amazing when you take a trip, you take a missions trip, yeah. it might be for just a week, but what you see in that week, everyone that I know that goes, they come back, they thought, I thought I was going there to help them, but I'm the one that got changed. That is absolutely correct. And um, God is moving. People say the church is dead. The church is growing quicker now. It's not growing as, as fast as the first century, but it is growing exponentially quick. I would say in Africa in 10 years, it'll be a Christian nation, wow. a, a Christian continent. I, it, the, the, the Holy Spirit is moving in areas like the South America, Africa, even in, even in um, uh, Muslim countries. There's a move of God within Muslim countries right now that is just unprecedented. Now, when you say that, what are you seeing in your travels? What are you hearing? What are you experiencing that gives you for that kind of faith? Because uh, here in America, people are hearing it just in the opposite. Mm -hmm. You know, the question, I I read an article this last week that wonders if Christianity is going to even be relevant in in a couple of years. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's the concerning stuff that a lot of people are hearing over here. What, what are you seeing that... It gives you such excitement for a nation like Africa to become Christian. It could be Africa. It could be Cuba. I, I go to Cuba every year. The church is growing so quickly there. I just got back about two months ago from Cuba and hit 10 churches and the power and the oppression that is happening there is just unprecedented, worse than it's ever been in the history since the government because uh, the, because of the hardships and, and the, the country was closed down for two years. The people are living from hand to hand to mouth. We went in there and the power of God started moving again. And, and, and the church, the church is just blossoming. Persecution is not bad for the church. Persecution is good for the church. Hmm. <clears throat> Suffering is good for the church. And that's happening, <clears throat> excuse me, in Cuba. It's happening in Africa. It's happening in India. It's happening in uh, uh, Asia. It's happening all around the world. Yeah. Um, now I do. When you go into different countries, you have to understand their culture. Africa understands power and evil. You can go into Africa. We we go in with a group called Overland Missions, and uh, they they're in like eight countries in Africa. We'll drive as far as we can until the road ends, and then two by two we go out into the villages that nobody's <laughs> ever been. They, they've never seen a white person, and we go in there and we go to the chief, we go to the leadership because the chiefs are still a powerful influence within Africa get their permission, say, we want to pray for people. Can we pray for you? Now, would these be civilized areas or would these be more like I mean, what a lot of people think of as bush people? Or it's bush people. It's bush people. But, you know, uh, do Zamb- they speak? Do you, you have to have somebody that speaks the language. No, right? Zambia is, was an English colony. 
See that colonialism did the worst harm for Africa. You know, all these European countries went in there, Belgium, uh, uh, Dutch, the English, the French, and started dividing up the countries for their resources. And there was so much atrocity, so much bad that happened. Well, now they're gone. They still have the lines of these countries. But and in, in, within those countries, if it was an English colony like Zambia, everybody speaks English. Oh, wow. So you have a free free, free reign then exactly. to go in there and to talk to them. A, yes, that's correct. So what's it like now? And we got just enough time in this segment to tell this story because this is incredible. What's it like being two by two walking out? So you and somebody else are going into a village. They don't know you. You don't know them. They would look at you. You don't look like them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're you're nothing like them from that standpoint of heritage or nationality or ethnicity. It, it, it seems dangerous. Well, it can be dangerous, but you know, you trust God and God protects you. I, I want to tell the story of two missionaries that are good friends of mine, George and Phyllis Crispy. They were in their later part of the years and they wanted to get, become missionaries. They went to a, an organization, the AG, and, and they said, no, you're too old. You can't do it. Well, they felt God was calling them to do it. They went, they were started looking for places to go. They went into Malawi, into a 50 square mile area that is Muslim. And they started um, preaching the gospel within this area. And also they started meeting the needs. They went in there with farmer's way, teaching people how to get uh, the better uh, yields on their crops. They found that a lot of the women, and this is true in Africa. You go to Africa, the women are the ones that go get the water twice a day. They don't have Mm. running water and the firewood to cook with and to warm up with. So most of their day is doing it. I, I always used to say, boy, those African women are got really strong necks, you know, because they're carrying those big five-gallon buckets, balancing it on their head, which is a miracle. And it's amazing. It is amazing. And I, I matter of fact, I had one of them, I, they were carrying a pile of wood. I says, can I do that? It is a, it's a lot of weight. And, but the yeah, fact- Yeah, you put five, uh, five gallons of water, I mean- 54 pounds. Oh. <laughs> so anyway, I, their main, their main need when you go there is they want to leave- so it's not, it's not they have a strong neck, it's just the way they have to live. So uh, George and Phyllis started building wells within their village so they didn't have to walk. They started uh, getting ways to get the, the wood to them quicker. So what that did is they gave the women four hours of free time that they took to educate. They started schools within there. And the young girls, they started, the girls never were educated. Now they're educating the, the girls in a Christian cur- curriculum, praising God, and, and, and just the things that happened, then they started switching from Muslims into the Christian. Now that whole area is mostly Christian. Oh, this is too much. It's too great. We're going to have to pick this up after the break. My guest is Marvin Couch. I'll be back with Marvin in just a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top train comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. If you've considered the natural beauty of a wood floor, then go with a winner. Ability Wood Flooring has been a trusted source and family-owned and operated since 1950. Ability Wood Flooring is voted best of the best and are featured on A&E's Zombie House Flipping. Ability proudly works with Florida's top builders, winning many awards in the Parade of Homes. Get a free design consultation today. AbilityWoodFlooring.com 
My guest is Marvin Couch. Marvin is an elder at Calvary Assembly. Our friends over there, we've had Pastor Kevin and Maria up here and love those people and involved in missions work. You were telling a story about an older couple, mm-hmm. and I want to kind of continue with that that vein of people sensing a call in their life, and it might be an uncomfortable call for people around them, including their pastors or or maybe their family members, but when God is doing it, if it's the Lord, and clearly, Marvin, for you and Nancy, this was the Lord's direction for you, and that caused you to to go out and and basically you're now doing uh, something it seems like fairly full time. Do you do any of the other business things anymore? Well, I'm fortunate that five of my children are in the painting business, and Nancy's the president, so they kind of keep everything going. Um, Nancy goes with me on some trips. So most, you are kind of self-funded then? Yes, yes, I'm self-funded. So I, I travel all around the world. I'm uh, Europe, Asia. India, Africa. Now that is the best of that world yes. right there too, where you've taken the success of your company and your, mm-hmm. your children, family business, and you're now investing. Again, I, I think that's what it's so marvelous to hear that rather than just you and Nancy getting in a uh, travel trailer and, and you know taking 14 vacations a year, right. you guys are investing. You're taking trips all right. Yeah. But you're doing it for the Lord. It's always kingdom, uh, kingdom trips. It's always kingdom trips because they're the best. Uh, the stories that I can tell to my grandchildren, and to, it's it's just awesome how good our God is. You know, when we first started out in missions, you know, we weren't doing well, that well financially. We were we were going through some difficult times. I had gone uh, got some uh, Hep C and had to sell my business, and it was a difficult time financially. But we sat down with the kids at that point and says, we're trusting God. We were we were five payments behind on our house. We were going to lose our house and everything. We says, we're going to trust God here. If we lose the house, that's okay. But we're we're going to give to the kingdom. We're going to make sure you're fed and, and, and the food on the table. But we are going to invest in the kingdom. And I'll tell you, since that, that was the best move I ever made. One principle I have learned, and you've heard it yourself, you can't outgive God. Mm-hmm. He has blessed beyond. If I give ten thousand, I get a hundred thousand, and 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 that's and you don't do it to get. You do it as a blessing, and God honors that. You're obedient to God. He blesses you, and he and the and the, and the money and the resources just are un, mm. unlimited. We do that at Calvary. We give quite a. We have a large footprint in missions in, at Calvary, mm-hmm. and uh, we we give money away. I said, how how. <laughs> Where's all this money coming from? But it just always comes back. You know, it's, it's always replenished uh, and it's over and over. So when you take this trip, when you go on one of these things, you're going again uh, into basically what is like a cold call. Yes. You're, you're not necessarily just going. I mean, it's not the life of Riley. Like you said, you take a vehicle as long as you can drive mm-hmm. and then you get to a point where you can't drive it any longer. Because again, you're in the, either the wilderness or mountainous areas where there are no roads, mm-hmm. and then you guys light out on foot. Yes. When you do that, how long are, is it for a day or is it longer that you're, you're on that leg of that trip? Every trip is different. When you go to Africa, you, it's less than 10 days, it's, you know, because it takes you two days to get there. 
you know, because there's no straight flights into mm-hmm. Zambia. You either got to go into Dubai or go into Doha, and and then you have to fly in. So you're you're talking 25, 30 hour trip. You know, sometimes 40 hour trips, depending on the layovers. So you you know those trips are usually two weeks long, and they're expensive trips too. But most trips usually are between seven to ten days, and it and again it depends on what we're doing. Sometimes we're we're getting ready to go to uh, San Salvador in November. We're going for ten days to paint a, a, a building called the King Center up in the mountains there that's been there for many years. So sometimes they're construction trips. I love, the, I, at the older I'm getting, I'm doing more evangelistic trips, you know, just going and preaching the gospel, trusting God, you know, just seeing what God's going to do. So it's, every trip is different. So it determines the length of the trip. It determines uh, what happens on the trip. Actually, the trip is usually it's you're always going to get surprised i always tell people expect the unexpected <laughs> yeah right you're you're going to get something that you didn't think was going to happen be flexible so yeah. we are flexible wow so uh, again when you're walking on that trip i know it's different from time to time what's the longest then when you took off on one of those two by two walks into the village what's the longest you've ever been gone uh Three weeks at one time, but I've been gone a whole month before. You know, I do one trip and then come back for two days. So do you know from day to day during that two-week, three-week period, does anybody else know where you are? Uh, I always uh, let my wife know. We have an agenda. We, you know, we try and keep, keep as close to as we can. But recently, one time we went to uh, Columbia, uh, to Cuba and we were going to work in uh, Camineris, which is right across from Gitmo. No American had ever been into Camineris since the 1959 when the revolution had, because it's right across from Gitmo. Mm-hmm. We went to build a church. We had the okay from the government. We went into Santiago. We were getting ready to go. And they all of a sudden said, stop. No, we're not going to let you do there. So we had to go up north to Baracoa instead. So sometimes, you know, things happen. About uh, three months later, we were able to go into Camineris and we did build a church there. And that was just such a blessing. Now, when you go into Cuba, uh, Cuba is an incredible place. Mm-hmm. I've been able to be there one time. Mm-hmm. And this, when I was there, it was in the last year of Fidel Castro's mm-hmm. reign. And now his brother, Raul, I guess, is still there. I don't think we hear much anymore about the, the government activities in Cuba like we did prior to Raul. So how, how are things over there tension-wise with the government? Are there any changes? Well, uh, Fidel was a Russian communist. Raul is more of a uh, Chinese communist. So he is allowing free enterprise, even among his people. Uh, as a matter of fact, he said, you know, you're off of the rolls now. Go and find a job. Go and make a business. And the Cuban people are very industrious. A lot of them are starting their own jobs. It's it's a difficult thing when you've been under oppression for so long than to take independence and go and start a job. But many are doing it, and they're doing it successful. And it's a lot of people within the church are doing it because of their trust in God. So, you know, Cuba is constantly changing. Now, Raul, I think, is in the background. I think his daughter's pretty much running it, or they have a new president now, And but his daughter's got her fingers in it. So it's always evolving. Cuba's always evolving. I think eventually my prayer is, well, it sort of is, because I, one day the Castros will, and, and, and will die off, and then maybe we'll have a relationship. I think we should have a relationship with Cuba. I think that we shot ourselves in the foot because China is in their full force right now. You mm-hmm. go there, everything is Chinese. You still see the old American cars from 1959 on. Yeah, right. But you see a lot of Chinese cars. All the appliances are Chinese. The only thing I worry about 
by doing that, by laying, by starting a relationship, is that when if people start getting prosperous, they don't start trusting mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. God is moving because of the oppression they're living in. So you know, it's always a give and take. But I, I it's it's just a matter of time, I think, before we start building relationships back with Cuba. It, it may not be in our lifetime, but I think the next generation, the younger generation, the second generation Cubans are kind of saying, well, you know, yeah, they took our farms, they took everything, but that happened then. This is now and. So we'll just see, have to see what happens there. So the network that you are working with there in Cuba, would that be the Assemblies of God? Yes. So this this group, the Assemblies, are very strong yes. uh, in other countries, including Cuba. Yes, very strong in Cuba. Matter of fact, one time we went in there, and this is not something that's a wide knowledge, but we did a co-op with the Cuban government because we had built a church. Uh, we do a lot of steel structures. We had built one near... Uh, in uh, near Santiago and a hurricane came and everything blew down except for the steel building. So they let us go into, uh, uh, it was Bayamo. We went into Bayamo and built seven duplexes out of steel. And then we handed over the government and they finished it off. So we have a good working relationship with the government. Mm -hmm. And matter of fact, when the COVID ended, they had contacted assemblies. God says, please send your people back because when we come in, we, they know it. You're not supposed to, we bring we bring a lot of capital in mm-hmm. to build churches and to do stuff. So they understand how important we are to their economy. So we have a good working relationship with the government. Now, when I went to Cuba, and this would be 2005, mm-hmm. I believe is the year. Uh, when I went, there was, a, you know, the old school, if you will, the mm-hmm. old mentality of, of danger. We saw all of the Fidel era soldiers in those green with uh, square hats and mm-hmm. all of that. We saw all of that, and, and it was concerning. In fact, they held us up in the airport. We didn't know but what they were going to confiscate our luggage. Mm-hmm. We, were, we were bringing in a bunch of sound gear right. for a worship conference, um, and we ended up doing that worship conference with a lot of informants, government informants mixed in with us, yep. And we didn't know it at the time, found out later that they were. Mm-hmm. So it, all of that was, there was this element again of uh, suspicion. And w- is all of that still there? It is still there. When okay. you go to a church service, you can bet your bottom dollar that there is an informant in that church, guaranteed. Mm. In Cuba, what they have, what they call block captains. It's a communist guy that watches his block. Yeah. And he reports, matter of fact, one time we were giving, uh, we went there, it was the end of our, uh, we, we'd built a building and we were pay, handing out some uh, free gifts to kids. All of a sudden we got arrested and taken to the Department of Interior and said, you were passing out tracks. No, we weren't passing out tracks. We were passing out candy and coloring books and stuff like that. And the, they gave us the riot act. And then the guy that was over them heard, heard the conversation and said, they're leaving tomorrow. Let them go. So, but they, that's the kind of things that are happening that everybody watches you and they, you, they see you do something, they're going to report because they want to get some wow. kind of something back. It's still that way today. Did they flag you? Yes. So well, are you, are you flagged when you go back in? Now? No, I, I, I've been many times. I've been to Cuba probably 20, 30 times somewhere in there. I, I, I go to Cuba a lot. So I'm kind of, they, they know who I am. They mm-hmm. know when I'm there. They know when anybody's there. They would know when you were there. They would know where you are. I mean, there's, there's still that control that goes on in Cuba. Mm, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Now, other nations are, are similar in the sense of being watched and, mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of putting their finger, if you will, on top of the, the ministries are there. But it sounds like the assemblies are doing a wonderful job of 
existing in this kind of a climate that is difficult. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's trust. You know, we, they, they, you know, they trust us, we trust them and we don't try and step outside those bounds. We let them know what the rule people going in. We let them know what the rules are. Now we're bringing capital in, you know, even though we're not supposed to, they know we're bringing it in because all of a sudden all this capital appears, you know, and they were buying, buying stuff. And so they, they know it, but they just kind of wink at that and let, let it happen. So, but pretty much we follow the rules and follow what, what they ask us to do. Mm. So what's on your agenda for the coming days? Well, uh, this weekend I'm going to be going to uh, Springfield for that Restory SSA uh, conference. Then uh, in two weeks I'm going to Zambia. My wife and I are going to go to a, a thing called the King of Kings event. Uh, I said earlier about how the oppression of the colonialism in Africa, even though Africa has these different countries and these gov- different government rules, the king, the, the kings and the chiefs and the paramount chiefs have been there for thousands of years. It's a lineage. So they, the government has to deal with them because they still own all the land. They still are very powerful. But they were always had witch doctors. Now, what we Overland Mission's done when they went in and got permission from these chiefs, and they started seeing the miracles that were happening, they started asking questions. In Zambia, there are 288 chiefs within Zambia. 220 of them, I think, are now have replaced their headmen with chaplains and are following Christian biblical principles. Uh, in October, October 5th and 6th, we're going to have 35 nations, the kings, paramount chiefs, and the kings come together in Zambia. Never happened before because usually these tribes are inner fighting. They're going to come together and it's called the King of Kings event. All the kings giving glory to the king. Wow. And it's going, it's going to be epic. I'm telling you, it's going to change Africa. It is wow. going to change Africa. It's That's why huge. you said you believe that you could see it happening yes, in, see in it. the next decade. Yes. Wow. That's that's an incredible thing. And so, Marvin, how do you stay abreast of all of these nations? You've mentioned several of them already. You've been to Paraguay, Cuba, Africa, Colombia. Bulgaria, anywhere in Europe, all the nations in Europe. So when you look back over the year, how many different nations have you visited? You know, it's got to be in the 60s. Wow. Over just one year. Oh, not in one year. I mean, my life. Uh, oh, my okay. Life. Yeah. Oh, oh, in a year, okay. I usually take five to six trips a year. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, we're, so we're planning the trips for next year. I know we'll go back to Cuba. We'll go to Colombia. We're going to go to Rome. We have a trip in September to Rome, the Roman church there, and some great things are happening there. Um, and uh, so. And, and the great things in the Assemblies of God church. Yes, through the international churches. Uh-huh. Uh, the international church in uh, Rome has seven. Uh, 75 different nations represented within that church. Wow. Yeah. They've calculated that they're, they're reaching over 2 million people because in Rome, they come there and they do their education or they work with the United Nations and then they go back out into their nations, make them believers, build them up, give them strength, send them back, back to their nations and, and starting churches in different countries. In South Sudan, which was a, a, one of the most dangerous countries, now has somebody that came out of Rome going in there and built, built a church in there, and it's, it's prospering. And it's, that's the story that you're hearing over and over. Before we take a break, one final question this segment. What is the favorite thing that you've done, the most exciting thing you've experienced in all your mission trips? Well, like I said, when we uh, were in uh, Colombia just recently, 350 salvations. Wow. That's, we had 350 salvations in, in a matter of seven days, hitting five churches in the prison. In the prison, we had 50 salvations. 
I mean, when you go into a prison in Colombia, you know you're into a, a yeah. tough prison. <laughs> and these grown men were just on their knees praising God and just and gave their life to Christ. I, I there's going to be a revival happening in that prison from that. I'm, I'm, wow. I just know it. So that's that excites me. Yes. Seeing God move and and lives change and families restored and it's and it, miracles happening. The nice thing is that you've got a network of churches there that these people are going to be cared for and discipled. That's correct. That's that's absolutely right. We wow. feel that's important because even when we go into, into Africa, uh, we went into Zambezi or, or Overland Missions did, and uh, took the message, went into the bush, and now they've got a, a, a site set up that they're reaching. That's Overland Missions got a site where the people are meeting the needs of the people and and branching out, going into other into the Lavali tribes and into the Lunda tribes, moving out and, and just keep moving out into the Congo and moving out into Angola, just keep moving, moving, moving. Unbelievable. <laughs> Marvin Couch is my guest. We'll be back with Marvin for one more segment. This is Afternoons with Mike on the Shepherd Radio Network. Are you looking for the right franchise to open your own business? Green Flag Franchise has the experience and knowledge to help match your business plan with your goals and values. Is your business ready to become a franchise? Green Flag Franchise will help you explore the potential and benefits of franchising your existing company. For a free consultation and coaching, visit GreenFlagFranchise.com. That's GreenFlagFranchise.com. Palm Beach Atlantic University Orlando offers three distinct areas of study an evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Turning 65 or already on Medicare? Have you tried to compare Medicare supplement plans? Are you sick and tired of the awful TV commercials where washed-up football players confuse you even more? Speak with a licensed independent insurance agent today. Call 407-965-4166 now. Or visit Affordable One Insurance in Winter Park, Florida and discuss what is important for you. Be sure to ask us about dedicated senior medical centers. Back for one more segment now with Marvin Couch, my friend of 37 years. You know, when I you, you came in, we started talking, started doing the math and realizing, man, you and I go back to our first couple of months of being in Orlando. Yeah. I, I just wasn't thinking of it being quite to the beginning, but it really was. Yes, it was. That is amazing, Marvin. And, you know, I've known you, appreciated you, respect you for so many reasons. But uh, never more than what I'm seeing happen to you now. Mm-hmm. And uh, you and I were together again for an event where you were actually over back over at Metro. Mm-hmm. And uh, along with you was the, the guy that you do a lot of trips with, right? Uh, it's the uh, pastor from uh, Santa Marta, Colombia. Yes. So yeah, he, he stays in that location and he's the one that we work with when we go to Colombia. Wow. So that was pretty cool to get to meet him and I'd love to have him on the program sometime. He'll be here in two weeks. Wow. Okay. So you'll have to come back. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. This this is the, the segment uh, theme that I'd like to take in this next few minutes. For those people that we acknowledged in segment one who 
have spent their lives, they love God, but there's this gnawing sense, kind of a nagging thought that will never go away of something that they felt they should do. Some of them, when they first got saved, may have actually been afraid. I've heard some funny things about this because you go to Africa and I've heard a lot of people say, I'm afraid to go to a missions conference because I'm afraid God will call me to Africa. (laughs) (laughs) And I had a guy one time tell me that if God were going to call you to Africa, it'd be the best news yeah. that you could ever receive. Yes. You'd be excited about it if, he, if it was he, him doing the calling yes. and not your fear and not the enemy trying to keep you at bay. So I just have this feeling that there are many people listening to this today that really want and have wanted to do something like what you're talking about mm-hmm. doing. I mean, I've been there in Cuba on these missions trips. And I, as I mentioned earlier to you, there's not one time that I believe anyone's ever gone on a short-term missions trip where they didn't come back feeling that of all of the people they talked to and all of the people that went with them, they got the most out That's of so it. That's so true. Absolutely. Yes. So Marvin, what words would you say to, let's say, a 50 or 60-year-old somebody who's listening that really has this in their heart. They they say, on my bucket list, I want to take a missions trip. What would that be like? Well, let me encourage them because we went to Africa one time to Togo and we were built, and we built 14 churches in 10 days. It was a record. Nobody had ever, it was the most ever that ever built. We did an average calculation of the age. It came out to 71 years old. You're never too old to do missions. Wow. Now the 71. Thing, 71 was the average age. I was the young buck in the group. <laughs> and you're 69. <laughs> and now 69. Yeah, right. So, uh, yeah. but so you're never too old to go on a mission trip. But I always say that the most important thing on any missions is, is prayer. You have to pray about it. God, if God puts it on your heart, like I said in the first segment, if, if he, you have an opportunity it's always going to be yes unless God tells you no. Because in Matthew 28, God didn't give a, a suggestion. He gave a commandment to mm-hmm. go into the uttermost yeah, part of the right. world, to go into Jerusalem, Judea, the uttermost parts of the Samaria world. Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. You may not be able to travel, but everybody can pray. And I always say prayer is the mother's milk of missions. Without prayer, you missions will not and cannot work. Prayer is so important. Anybody can pray and everybody should be praying. If you can't go, you can give money to help a young person that can't doesn't have the finances. You can help them. We have a scholarship at Calvary that we help fund people. We don't want to pay their whole trip because then it make it's not. We want them to raise as much as they can, and then we help them. But sometimes individuals can say, "I want to help that individual go." On this last trip to uh, Columbia, out of that trip, there was thirteen of us. I think six. This was their first mission trip. And I told them that when I was going to be preaching, that I was going to call them forward and we were going to do ministry because people are going to come forward. Their eyes got big, you know, oh, I got to pray for people. And I said, and I'm expecting words of knowledge, words of wisdom. God's Holy Spirit's going to move. Be sensitive to it. God will give you these things. They were nervous about it. And the first time we called people forward, they were just like, okay. And then they felt comfortable. By the last time, the last church we went, they were going out into the crowd, going after people. God says, go pray for that person. That person has this need. And they were being, and, and just 
hitting the nail on the head to see and everybody was just like everybody knew what to do it was like it, i wouldn't have to tell anybody to do everything anything everybody went to their places and god just moved in a mighty way were all of these people first timers or some of them i would say let me see six of them were uh, first timers first timers first. and they got to experience that on their first yes. missions trip uh, you're, it, if you go on a mission trip with with the uh, Calvary, you're going to you're going to experience that on every on every trip. Wow. You will experience the move of God. So, how can they get in touch with you? Well, uh, you can call Calvary Assembly. Or it's called Calvary Orlando now. Mm-hmm. Same thing, but and and ask for missions department. And mm-hmm. um, uh, Don, Don Don Lap is the person that's uh, the administrator of that, and she will hook hook us up. You know, and I'll call you. Mm-hmm. You can all. We also have an app, a Calvary app that you can look at any mission trips that we have coming up. Uh, so it's always active. So there's a Calvary Orlando app that you can download and look at uh, different events. And one of the, some of the events are mission trips. It sounds like this is put together so well and sustained so wonderfully. Mm-hmm. So, so tell me how many people uh, that you go to Calvary with? I know that's a big work. Mm-hmm. How many people are, are involved as you are in missions? We probably, I, there's probably 15 that are as active as I am that go on a lot of trips. But we are purposely going after the youth this year. That's, that's going to be our focus next year, going after youth and using it as a discipleship. Missions is a perfect way to disciple people. Now, when you say going after youth, getting young people to getting, go with you? Going young people. We are, we've okay. already planned a trip to El Salvador to the King's Castle next year with youth. But we're going to purposely go after them and encourage them to go on trips because it's like you said, it's life-changing. You, you cannot go into a third world country and see the power of God move and not, and not be moved. And, and that we want them to experience that. And we want them to see how God moves and how God answers questions and, and answers needs and answers the things, the desires of your heart, if they're in the will of God. So when you are talking to people that are interested in this, what do you find them saying more often than anything else uh, when it comes to their concerns or their, their apprehensions about a missions trip? I think money is a big one and time, you know, cause you know, that's taking time off of your work. That's why a lot of the people that go are, el- you know, are up in age, the elderly, because they mm-hmm. have the time to be able to do it and they have the finances to do it. That's why most of our groups are people that are up in, in but we want to encourage the youth to do it. Um, so, the, so money and time are probably the two biggest thing. Sometimes it's fear, but that fear can be overcome. The, the, the light overcomes darkness always. Mm-hmm. And all they have to do is get on this trip. And, and within, within a day, they're, they're in the groove and things are happening. I asked you earlier what was the most, um, let's say, fun thing or enjoyable thing you've seen. And you mentioned the recent trip. What would be the hardest thing that you've had to go through on a missions trip? Oh, gosh. I, 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 I'm kind of an optimist. I, I, you know, if you give me lemons, I'll make lemonade. You know, I I just trust God to make lemonade. I just, you know, you know, we come against barriers. Oh, you can't do this. And you're so, okay, well, let's do this instead. You know, just, you you don't let obstacles become the thing that stops you from doing what God wants you to do. So when these hard things happen, it it appears to me that you're not letting those things be a, a, a hindrance to you one little bit. It's, it's, we, we serve a God of the impossible. Throw impossible up. God will show you how it's possible. 
I love that, Marvin. <laughs> I love that. I shouldn't be that surprised at your answer, but I think that is so well said. You know, this desire you have for young people going, that could be a game changer for an entire generation at your church. I think it will be. We, 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 you know, we, we felt we, we got that calling from God. We believe that, that the youth, we have to go after the youth and, and hooking it up with discipleship. I think that's the key. One of the things that I think a lot of people, when they look back over the last couple of years, they would uh, feel that COVID really played a hindrance. How did that impact what you're doing? Well, I was doing the trips on my own a lot of times or with, with one person that wasn't fearful. We went into Africa during the height of COVID. We were a, we had, because of Overland Missions and, and their impact within Zambia, they had a lot of pull. So we were able, even during COVID, we were able to get into a lot of countries. Did uh, you find the countries where you visited, were they in lockdowns or or heavily masked, that kind of thing? The cities usually, yes. But when you go out into the bush, no. When you go out into the bush, people are just living day to day and trying to make, you know, just trying to make their life happen. Mm. Yeah, as you approach this uh, point of being 70, you're almost there, Mm -hmm. I'm almost there. Uh, Do you see an end at all in what you're doing? I don't see an end to it. I'm going to be doing this as long as God gives me the strength to do it. It's It's my desire to die on a mission field. Wow. Literally, I mean, if if to live as Christ, to die is gain. Uh You know, Paul was arguing that and really debating in his mind: Should I live? Should I die? You know, did I be with Christ? It's hard for me. You know, that's that's how I feel. I just I feel like my life. If if I'm here, I'm going to do what God calls me to do. If I die, I'll be with Mm -hmm. with Christ. But there's no uh, at age seventy, you're not hanging up your uh, passport no. and, and say that's done. I just got a new fifty four pager. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. You've taken so many trips, you probably ran out of places to stamp. Yeah, man. without before the ten years is up. <laughs> <laughs> that's great, yeah. and that is awesome. So travel is seemingly back open again for all these trips. Unfortunately, and the expense uh, mm. we. Uh, wound up spending $1,400 more on the last trip to Africa because of airfare. Um, it's yeah. Costs are really going up. And uh, when I was going to uh, El Salvador last year, we were able to do it for $600. Now it's because of airfare, it's going to cost us $1,500. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Almost tripled. Yeah. The airfare has just gone. Yeah. Up and it's, I don't see it stopping. Mm-hmm. So there's a cost involved. Yes. It's not a free thing. No. But it's worth every moment of it, yeah. every penny of it. Yeah, I pay every one of my trips out of my own pocket. I, you know, I don't, the, the Calvary doesn't pay for me to go on these trips. I pay my own trips. That's great. Mm-hmm. You are a blessing to that church, Marvin, and to that program. And I know you would feel that that program is a huge blessing to you. Absolutely. I couldn't see li- living life without it. It's my purpose in life. I, I know it. It's mm. as clear to me as day as night. That is marvelous. So you're going to take this trip. It's in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. You're going to be uh, heading right back out again. Yes. Where's the one nation? This will be my final question. Where's the one nation or one area of the country that you haven't gone that you feel God's put in your heart? I've been in every continent. I've been in. The, I've done work in the Arctic Circle, the Antarctic Circle. I've done every continent except for Australia. That's the only continent I haven't been in. And do you feel called to do that sometime? One day I'll go. It's 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 different in Australia. They're they're a different animal, but I, one day I will go. Yes. Wow. By the grace of God. Otherwise, you've been in all co- continents. All continents. That's amazing. 
Marvin Couch, it has been a delight to have you on my program. I can't tell you how much fun this has been. So I, I look forward to having you back up here, my friend. I would love the opportunity. This is great to get to uh, hear your story and to be inspired by it. Mm. I think a lot of people were. Well, thank you. And friends, thank you, as always, for joining us here on The Shepherd on Afternoons with Mike. We'll see you next time. <music>